Hello. 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 Hello, and Hello. welcome to episode three. Are we on episode three? Uh, I. Sure. Welcome to episode three <laughs> of Cabbage and Shame, the uh, the podcast with a very loose structure of release schedule. Today we're going to talk about uh, Fontaine's DC's latest release, A Hero's Death. In our first review episode, but it is a big one. Our first. At- it could it could be our last review episode for all we know. Let's 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 be let's be positive here. It's it's gonna it's the the first of many to come. Because hopefully this format works. We've got Ultra Mono to come. Oh for sure. There's no way we can't review that. Yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot coming up in 2020. But that that is content for if, well actually no, that's content for later this episode. Um, but to start off with. A Hero's Death by Fontaine's DC, their second album, following up from Dog Roll, which was released last year, um, came out on Friday. The 31st of July. And I, I think we can both agree, it's phenomenal. It is a fantastic album. If you haven't listened to it already, dear listener, 100% drop what you're doing, pause the podcast, and go check it out. It'll make a lot more sense what we're talking about. Um, it's really good. It's a lot. It is a lot colder than Dog Roll. It's, it's a definitely. It's a. It's a different take. They've moved away from their kind of bastion of post punk. Yeah, it, it, they've moved. They've moved out of the kind of folky sound that Dog Roll sometimes evoked. Um, toward more towards something more akin to like uh, like Proto Martyr or. Um, even I would say it's comparable to kind of Sari's nine to five, but it is phenomenal. It's also got Joy Division influences feeding in. Oh, totally, totally. It is it is something right out of Joy Division. It's dark. It's cold. It is it is. We've moved away from the fall. We've moved away from. I'm trying to think. We moved away from the Pogues in a lot of ways, which I think, you know, certain songs on Doggle, they kind of have some kind of Irish folk punk um, influence. I would say the lyrical content has moved as far away from the Irish poets and uh, musicians that have heavily influenced Grian, the I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Sorry, pal. Uh, the lead um, songwriter and the singer. No, I agree. I would say that a lot of the lyrics are still, the lyrical content is still definitely funneled in from a sort of Joyce and Heaney aspect in the in the in a way that only a true Irishman can do. I absolutely agree, but it is you know to to compare it to another Irish uh, post punk band, they are starting to sound more like Murder Capital than they are the Pogues. Yeah, there's a there's been a really interesting series of articles because they've unsurprisingly been interviewing quite a lot recently, as um, mm-hmm. as they're on their release cycle, and one of the things they were saying particularly is this. Um, Last year, as they were basically rocketed into the forefront of all British and Indi- and Ireland, all British and Irish uh, like indie music in terms of like the NME, the Guardian as well, and a few others were all singing the in like inexorable praises of of them. But they would always say, "Fontaine's DC, Idols and Shame," are 
they're like the second coming of Christ when it comes to post-punk. It was basically the way that they were being trumped up. Um, and they were, they were kind of saying that, like, that was great because it was really good that they got that kind of exposure in that press. And they're big fans of both Idols and Shame, Idols being their label mates. Um, and they've toured with Idols uh, a few times. But when you get trumped up to, to be, like, the second coming that's a huge amount to live up to. Uh, and they were also poster children for post-punk, which, as Graham talked about, is, is, is also a problem because that means like you're, you can get boxed. It, it can be both a positive and a negative feedback loop because if people say, we love your music, this is amazing, then, you, then they, as artists, feel that they have to make that music again and again and can't break free as easily. So it's a it's an interesting change from what they were making in dog roll, which has got a lot more like punk post-punk and like quite heavy folk rock, a uh, folk punk influences. Sorry. As you were saying, and then shifting that over with this album to be a lot more introspective, uh, into their, into themselves, their characters and probably the lives they were then leading on quite considerable tours around, um, Europe and America. Rather than having, rather than turning the uh, the spotlight and the, the magnifying glass onto Dublin and Irish life as they really did in Dogrel, they've rather turned it in on themselves as mm-hmm. you know as young men, <laughs> young Irish men, and also out on on the world as well. A lot they are uh, some of the songs on um, a hero's death are quite you know quite focused on world events, quite focused on. Um, Contemporary politics. Um, there, you know, a, a good example of, of this being living in America. Um, I, I love the chorus on that as well. Living but, in America. <laughs> like that really, that really, that that the, the ah, the very open ah in America. It really, draw, it really draws me in. Yeah, that's great. It's it's a really good track. Honestly, it's a bit a bit, bit further on in the album, but it, it does. Um, it's after Hero's Death, which is maybe the most upbeat song in this album, and it kind of continues that energy. But it's the interesting thing about Hero's Death that I find is it's it is the most upbeat song. It's falling on from Oh Such a Spring, which is probably the again it's one of my favorites. But it's it's slower. It's um, quite melancholy kind of melancholy is maybe the right word but it's 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 to me it it feels like an old memory that someone's living out that just it's kind of sad but it's not depressing it's just really kind of melancholy and and reminiscent of of old times um but by old times i mean just something like last spring just you know someone reminiscing on good memories from last spring in which they can go back to be fair that's there's probably quite a lot of people re- reminiscing about last spring this year oh yeah for sure and, and this is it is to say the least it is a very timely album um but i was saying about living in america it follows on from hero's death it's it's upbeat and those two songs kind of carry the not the rhythmic weight of the album fully but they they do add in a little bit of energy, which by the time is the first lesson I had of this. By the time you get to that point, I was in a little bit of need of something a bit more upbeat. And then Hero's Death comes on, followed by Living America. And the fact that they're both 
you know, a bit faster, even if they're both like it's they're both still kind of cold and and dark, and it's it's not the kind of warm music that you got from Dog Roll. Um, it is it's still upbeat enough to keep pushing you through the album without really changing the valence overall. It's quite an interesting run, I thought, from You Said through to Hero's Death. And having having recently bought a record player and started listening to vinyl and, and just, you know, truly achieving my hipster self, he says on a podcast, um, that uh, Oh Such a Spring is the, is, the, is the final track on side A. Um, and the reason why I'm, I'm making this point is because I've been thinking about how one how one divvies up an album to be on two sides in the in the case of you know analog media before we move to digital with CDs mm-hmm. and obviously digital recordings and it's actually it's quite an interesting way that they've then structured that to have like you know when you hit a lucid dream that whole way through to oh such a spring it's a lot slower it's a lot more sort of um, contemplative. Uh, not melancholic is I think melancholic is is definitely the right sort of like trajectory in a way um, but uh, I definitely get the feeling from um, elu- the pair of a lucid dream and you said it's definitely to me it springs out as something like Fontaine's does Radiohead it's got a lot of that sort of style of sort of wrought guitars with a bit more focus on that than and with a pair of the sort of slower lyrics and slower pace from um, Graham the singer. I, I mean, a huge Radiohead fan. Uh, but then when you swap from side A to side B, the first track on side B is A Hero's Death, which then just sets the tone for the second half of that album, where it just grabs you and like, you know, life ain't always empty. It's like, it's like grabbing and shaking you by the lapels saying, life ain't always empty. Come on. I know we've just gone through a really sad run, but you know, it's not all bad. It's quite a funny sort of flip from if you if you're thinking about it in a, an analog format. Side A was finishes with Oh Such a Spring, which is reminiscent yes, as, mm-hmm. as you've just said, it's like it's a reminiscent for things that have gone past, remembering the nostalgia of things in the past when you've forgotten the bad times and can only remember the good times, and then just going, well, that was crap, but you know, life ain't always empty. Mm-hmm. And there's the sort of mad um, the the music video that accompanies it. Um, with Aidan's surname, gosh, he's quite a famous actor. He's quite a famous Irish actor. I forgot what his name is. Anyway, um, it's a very sort of lucid, lucid dream. Actually, works quite well in this context. It's this. Um, the music video is is a talk show host who's seemingly slowly losing his mind on the show, which the band are appearing on. It's very good. I highly recommend you all go and watch it. But it works quite well with the uh, the hero's death song that goes with it. That the man is slowly losing his mind as he's going through the motions, but the the backing of the song is still saying like, you've just got to keep going. It's it's going to get better. Yeah, there's there's a lot of to compared to Dog Roll. It I don't think it's controversial to say this album is dark. I I would agree. This is definitely a, a, an inward-facing album. If Dogwood was an outward-facing album, yeah, I don't even it, 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 that that distinction because it's there are there are there is kind of outward projection in this, but it's also I think the twenty nineteen, like when twenty nineteen came to a close, everyone was 
say, well, that year is shit. Um, and then 2020. Hold my beer. <laughs> and admittedly, 2019, like, Dog Rule was, was assembled from a lot of tracks that came out ranging from, I think the earliest was 2016, maybe? No, 2017 with Liberty Bell. Is Liberty Bell on Dog Rule? Give me a second. Um... You know, that was so twenty. Yeah, it was okay. So from 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 twenty seventeen, tracks they had tracks contributing towards Dogra, which came out two two years later. Um, this album, the first singles were released for it. What maybe a month and a half ago? Yeah, they were all from this year. Uh, the first one, A Hero's Death, was on the fifth of May. Yeah. So, Dogra was kind of assembled from a backlog of tracks and they did there is you know original music on it it's not just you know pasted together from a a list of eps and singles um but to some extent it is a a cut and paste job um a hero's death distinctly isn't but you can hear the influences from certain aspects of dog world on a hero's death and it is much like you know, Doggo, where they are reflecting in a lot of ways, you know, Boys in the Better Land um, or, or too, too Real Big. I mean, there are some of these songs are introspective with kind of um, then taking those introspections and applying them to society, thinking about, you know, Big makes some broad political points. But Hero's Death has done so in this kind of very dark, cold manner in the same way that Roy's tune and the lots did in Dog Roll. I think they've pulled a lot of their sound from those two songs and just kind of expanded on that sound a lot in this album. And it works for me because Roy's tune and the lots were two of my favorite tracks off of Dog Roll. I think um, saying things like, you know, Big and uh, and Too Real uh, and also Boys in the Best Land being the most obvious example, um, I think those were more applied to the current sort of well, because they wrote this whilst they were living in Dublin. Um, I don't think they're from Dublin. I think they're from just outside Dublin. Um, but I think that what that was highlighting is what the sort of Irish state of mind is right now, and how Dublin is, or well, not right now, but last year. I think it was more of a sort of here's what's going on in Dublin, and uh, and turning the turning the lens onto Dublin, where. Uh, with a good example of boys in the better land, like, you know, you're always talking about the boys in the better land, which I think is sort of more talking about, um, emigration back when obviously most of Ireland left Ireland because food and potatoes. Um, mm-hmm. as opposed to a lot of this album, which is the lens is turned inwards more than turned outwards, but still, <laughs> still very Irish really. It still has a they still have a lot to say on society. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, have, have, when was, have, you, have you listened to Roy's tune to the Watts recently? Uh, not recently. I would highly and, and this goes to the listeners as well. Take like check out those two tunes off of Dog Roll. Um, I think especially the Lots. It's track seven. Um, listen to it, and then come back to a hero's death. There, it is one of those things. The lots would have fit better in a hero's death because it 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 basically is a hero's death. 
it's they they took that sound and just ran with it and it really works for them um it's a totally different sound than um dog roll broadly it those two tracks kind of stick out um on dog roll but you can you can see that this is the sort of music that i think they want to be making and they've taken that sound and they've just expanded upon it and produced a very excellent album on that kind of darker colder reverb heavy sound it's not reverb heavy enough and kind of like spaced out in in the way that like a lot of cold wave gets you know, listen to like uh Mochat Doma or um some of those kind of more eastern um european cold wave bands it's not quite you know used to that extent but there definitely is a little bit of reverb in there there are a few after effects kind of just dragging out the sound and separating you know his voice from the instruments that gives it some space and makes it sound colder um and it it you know adding in the kind of irish elements uh both within you know the way he sings and the actual written lyrical content it works really well for it it and it to be fair i we kind of knew it would work well because the murder capital did it with when i have fears last year I think one of the big differences, though, is Fontaine's DC has, you know, over 900,000 monthly listeners. Murder Capital is at like 70K. It's a different scale. I would say girl band as well, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I always forget that girl band's Irish. They're, they're like a primogenitor prima Irish because they released... Oh, the Talkies is their new one, isn't it? Yeah, Talkies is the new one. Good. Well, they, they released... Uh, was it Paul? Oh, that was the single. Uh, they released their album in 2015, their first one, the early years. Sorry, holding hands with Jamie, not the earliest. And that's 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 another that's another album that listeners you should 100 percent check out. Um, we'll put some of the tracks on the playlist. Yeah, the talkies in particular is really interesting because it was recorded. Um, after it was really after the first album was released in 2015, um, the lead singer of girl band whose whose name i will have to look up later and put in the description um dara keely they when they recorded basically he had some massive panic massive panic attacks um and really just really couldn't handle life touring and making music and it took them four years to produce another album even though the first album was quite successful um and be fair the band wanted to make music but and the way they got around this was on the talkies there there's no use of pronouns there's no talking about you know the, the singer doesn't talk about himself at any point he specifically is you know obtuse in uses passive voice a lot and also just kind of is obtuse in his references um to the self to just kind of make it entirely um I guess I don't know if extrospective is a word, but you know it, it feels just, like it should be a word. <laughs> yeah. So the the but in, anyway, it's it's an interesting style because he doesn't talk about himself. And how often do you do you get an album where you know the singer doesn't reference anything about their lives or anything about really the lives of others? It's just talking in broad terms. 
Um, it's it's interesting. Would recommend. A little bit more on the side of, of noise rock than post-punk. It's, it's kind of straddling the barrier between the two. Um, but it's a really excellent album. Um, particularly a big fan of Going Norway. It's a good track. Uh, off the latest album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their first album is really good as well. It just it does it, and it, in some ways, is better. I mean, Paul is no doubt my favorite track they've put out. Um, but it doesn't they, that the this was before the 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 well, they didn't use that same technique of not talking about the self in. Um, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Will mentioned it earlier. What? What is the name of their first album? Holding hands with Jamie. Holding hands with Jamie. Thank you. Um, they didn't. They didn't use that technique of not talking about the self. Um, and interestingly, on the first track on the talkies is literally just a recording of the lead singer having a panic attack in the studio. It's something else. It's it, and, and to some extent, I, I always like people who have suffered panic attacks and who this could be triggering for, I do want to put a bit of a trigger warning there because it is intense. It's really something else. It's intense. Um, and it, you know, I've, I've had panic attacks before and it makes me deeply uncomfortable listening to it, but it in, but some, it is also quite an interesting experience listening to it. Um, I would recommend it, but just it, it is yeah, a bit of a trigger warning there because it, it is really something else. Good for fans of uh, Black Midi. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A lot of um, math rock and and, um, and noise rock involved in there. They basically turned up the distortion pedals on everything. Mm-hmm. They turned up the distortion pedals and Fontaine's turned up the reverb pedals. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, back to, back to Fontaine's, um, but actually I'm not quite there yet. Um, <laughs> it, it's actually a really encouraging uh, thing just now with the Fontaine's DC uh, album. Well, Fontaine's DC in general, is, uh, the Irish scene is really vibing right now. It's actually very, it's very vibrant and it's going really well with bands like just mustard, uh, big pig. I don't know if it's big pig or big pig. It's got two eyes in both big and pig. She's got some great tracks out. I'd highly recommend it. Um, put some in the in the playlist. Uh, Thumper as well. They've got some really good Irish. The Irish scene is is very vibrant and very alive right now, regardless of lockdown. She's a big pig is bigger than Fontaine's. Yeah, she's she's definitely captured more. And she's she, I love her music. It's fantastic. She's she's up there almost at Idols level for for monthly listeners. Fontaine's are pretty close though. Idols is uh, Fontaine's are very close to overtaking Idols. I I could, I mean it'll it'll switch back after Idols releases Toneland, um because you know new album always. You mean Ultramono? Ult, sorry, Ultramono. It was originally supposed to be called Toneland. Ultramono. <laughs> I feel like we need to issue an apology for our um, idols. Oh episode. yes, the, that, that's true. Yeah, the on the previous idols episode, we kept referring to it as as Toneland because at the time it was supposed to be called Toneland. Now it's going to be called Ultramano. So please ignore all references to Toneland 
it is. Every time you hear us say Toneland, just imagine we're actually saying Ultramono. Yeah. It's a seamless transition. <laughs> just just a little bit of uh, mental work for you to do, and that's it. I think I think you I think you can all manage. We believe in you. You can do it. But uh, yes, Fontaine's DC have released a killer album uh, in a hero's death, and it's it's interesting that you say things like um, a lot of the darkness and and also very much Joy Division influences because they op- I mean they open with a song I don't belong. With with the chorus is is a sort of a sort of haunting, um, haunting chant almost by by the lead singer just saying, "I don't belong to anyone. I don't belong," uh, which I suppose works quite well, with, especially at the moment. As we've been saying, it is it is quite a sort of lockdown related album where it's um, quite haunting and like I don't belong to anyone. Uh, the, the sort of sense of isolation and and well, not belonging anywhere. I suppose is a bit of a different one because. In theory, we can't actually go anywhere. Um, it, I would argue this is this is this is Fontaine's dabbling with some doomerism. I would I would see that um, something that was mentioned on the Indiehead subreddit was that people have been comparing um, Grian's vocals with that of Ian Curtis of Joy Division. Mm. Uh, so whoever has been doing that is probably going to have an absolute field day with this album. Yeah, no, totally. It, it's I can't say enough it's a great album and it is it, it is part of it is it's reflective of a larger trend and I think we're transitioning into kind of I don't like I, I don't want to talk too much about this because we're going to be doing an episode on this next on the next episode um, kind of talking about releases that have come out what we think kind of not not a working top five list but just you know like awesome of note yeah just rough rough like you know what some of our favorite albums and eps are so far this year and so i don't want to talk about it too much because we will talk a lot more about it next week but sorry's nine to five um is without a doubt my most streamed album this year and it is possibly well it's definitely one of my favorites i'm not gonna rank it yet um we've got a few more months left yep and it is it is similarly cold it is in many ways the vocals are delivered in a in a very different disinterested fashion but in the same sort of disinterested like there's a lot of space between the vocalist and the band there's a lot of and when, when you hear it it kind of gives an illusion between you know the lyrical content and the music which I quite like it gives it some distance and it makes it seem uninterested in a lot of ways it reminds me a lot of nine to five in that capacity sorry will go ahead no sorry I was, just, I was gonna say that um yeah the delivery the delivery changes in different in different sections of 95 um, compared to something like the band dry cleaning where the lead vocalist, all of her delivery is bored, pretty much, which actually really adds an extra layer to the to to the music. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. In a certain, we'll, we'll get we'll get into this more next week, but um, next time, like let's not let's yeah. not put ourselves to any deadlines just yet. We've been rubbish at this. <laughs> next time, like Heather, <laughs> Heather is a lot more kind of an intimate sound in terms of the delivery, but it it a lot of it is the. 
they've really distanced the sound of the voice from the rest of the band. And it does really add to that kind of... Like, again, it's it's not not melancholic. It's just it's just kind of uh, I don't know. It sounds somewhere between fed up, bored, and slightly sad. Especially with uh, "I Don't Belong." Yeah, uh, off of "Back on Fontaines." Totally, uh, Heather's off uh, ninety-five. But it's but very even... it's a, it's it's a haunting sort of melancholic swan song almost. Which is an odd way to open an album, in a way. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. One might want to draw people in from the off, rather than just sort of sit them down and say, "Right, just so you know, this is what we're doing with this." I don't belong to anyone. Mm-hmm. And I and I when I first when I listened to the album the first time, um, it was actually in the car. I was driving, and it was just like it was like, okay, when like this is this is the Fontaine's album. When's it going to pick up? When's it going to pick up? I don't belong. Went into love is the main thing. Televised mind picked up a little bit, and because it was one of the singles, I knew it, and it was like, okay, I know this one. This is this is you know maybe we're picking up here. Nope, lucid dream. You said, and then oh, such a spring, and you're like at that low point in terms of of speed, and it finally picks up, and it's like, okay, we got some drums, and then I recognize it's a hero's death, <laughs> which is not an upbeat song. Yeah, you get a shot in the arm, <laughs> but it's it's a shot in the arm. But again, it has that distance. It still has that kind of board not not board delivery to the same extent that sorry uses or like dry cleaning uses but it is there's a little bit of a space between the vocals and the band that that you know kind of like joy division does the same thing and it, it is just have that kind of i don't know it's just that kind of slightly depressed sound this is this is going to be a future doomer album just calling it it's already a Doomer album, isn't it? I mean, the, the Doomer community is going to claim this as one of their go-tos, is what I mean by that, if I had to guess. Before they'd announced that they were making this album, when they still said they were writing it, um, their press releases, or their interviews, I think, with people like The Enemy and Pitchfork, they were saying that this album was going to be more Beach Boys-inspired. And everyone went, oh my god, yes, this is going to be hilarious, and this is going to be amazing. Uh, and they released their first single, which was A Hero's Death. And everyone was going, which which Beach Boys singles have you been listening to? Um, they were just sort of saying, well, they've got the um, the harmony from the from the rest of the band just going, to, to carry mm-hmm. the rhythm whilst, they, whilst they've got a bit of the guitar work, which is quite familiar with, um, or quite similar to, to Beach Boys. But then mm-hmm. they basically throw most of it out the window. And I, I don't know if they were actually listening to a lot of Beach Boys at the time when they were writing and recording, but it's not quite as apparent on the album as it, as they made it out to be during their nope. their interviews. Nope. <laughs> I expect it to be a lot more Beach Boysy, which which I could have seen not not working. Well, I mean, I could see it working, but I could have seen it happening. Yeah, uh, based on some of their previous stuff. And then, yeah, I could, I could, you could hear a bit of Beach Boys in like Sha 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 or or like Hur- Hurricane yeah. Laughter. To, certain parts of Hurricane Laughter. Um, Maybe Checkless Reckless. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking of. And they have they have that chorus in, in Checkless Reckless as well, um, with the with the band kind of you know just doing a bit of a chorus behind the singer and and it works really well, kind of building up into usually 
the bridge. Yeah. But, yeah. The, it, it, that exists at a hero's death, but it's, it is not, this is not, if you're, if you're, if you're thinking, oh yeah, upbeat, you know, kind of happy Beach Boys music, this is, this is not that album. This isn't Pet Sounds. <laughs> this ain't your dad's Pet Sounds. This is Doom of Pet Sounds. Yeah. This is this is Ian Curtis's pet sounds. This is Ian Curtis's pet sounds. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Dan uh, Dan Carey of Speedy Wonderground produced this album as as well as Dog Roll, um, which is almost it feels like a bit of a departure because it's not quite. I don't know if there's like a Dan Carey sort of sound or a stamp of approval. A lot of people have talked about over the years that Danger Mouse has a very particular sound that he imbues into his records. Um, to, in an almost not not poppy, but like there's a sort of like an energy that that yeah. Danger Mouse imbues with with the likes of people like um, he produced Wide Awake by Pocket by Pocket Courts. He produced um, most of the Black Keys' latest albums. Um, he's done a lot of work as a producer. Uh, we, we talk we talk a lot about about Danger Mouse in the prior episode. Yes, if you want to go check out. If you want to if you want to hear us uh, wax lyrical about Danger Mouse please check out our last episode but the point being is that Dan Carey produced this album and I remember people were complaining um, when Dogger was released that they used they, they used Dan Carey's production rather than the Darklands version of uh, a few of their songs which were I think particularly Checkless Reckless uh, mm-hmm. maybe Too Real uh, let me let me go back and check what it was uh it was Hurricane Laughter and Winter in the Sun, uh, Liberty Bell and Rocket to Russia, which was which wasn't included. Winter in the Sun, so it was Hurricane Laughter and Liberty Bell were the ones that featured on. Oh, and Checklist Reckless and Boys in the Betterland. So that's four tracks there. Yeah, but one of the things with the Darklands versions is they were a bit, um, they were a bit more raw. They were a bit more uh, open. They were they were less sort of cleaned up and produced. Um, which made for a more exciting sort of live sound. And a few people saying, well, I kind of preferred these versions rather than the polished, clean version that is Dan Carey's production. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know what anyone would say of that. It, with the current album, I would say that actually the sort of clean, the, the, the cleanliness, as it were, actually really helps and adds into the, um, to, to, to highlight the lyrics and a lot of the sort of more heavy bass work in places. I you say that I would love to hear a hero's death produced, you know, in the, basically a Darklands version of the hero's death. Just because I was listening to the Checklist Reckless, the Darklands version, and that intro with the guitar. The guitar is so raw. It's so it, it's just it's big. It fills up a lot of space, and it, it still is quite cold, at least in the intro. I think that would work really well. So long as you could maintain, you know, so long as basically you have some good editing on the voice and kind of maintain that that spacing, I think it would work really well. And the same goes for Living in America. That that kind of this kind of section of the album up until maybe about up until maybe no, I would say would work really well with like as a Darkman's version. Well, we might yet hear a Darkman's version. Um, Fontaine's uh, did an AMA about a year ago when they were releasing Dogrel on uh, the Indie Head subreddit. And um, someone did ask uh, why they didn't include some of their Darklands versions on their 
on on the actual you know release of Dogrel. And uh, Grian or Diego, I think Diego's the guitarist. Anyway, one of them said that uh, they actually recorded the whole album in one take, um, and they didn't want to interrupt those takes with the Dark Hands version because they they thought that that would uh, disrupt the intent of the album by having taken away mm-hmm. that it was all done in a one which is yeah. also very reminiscent of things like Dan Carey's Speedy Wonderground label, where they have to do everything in one take. Yeah. Which also produces some, you know, fantastic singles from... Uh, so it kind of gives... Dan Carey's talked a lot about it, and a lot of the music press has talked a lot about what Speedy Wonderground does, and it's it's quite well established now, in the, especially in the British, like, post-punk and independent scene, that if a band gets picked up and has a single from Speedy Wonderground, they are a band worth keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But one of the things uh, that Dan Curry has said uh, about his philosophy of doing a single take is he's been in, before he was a lead producer, he said he's been in recording sessions with bands who have, you know, they're on like their 30, 30th take or something, and everyone is tired and bored and a bit worn out. Nothing's really going anywhere. They're not like improving on any of the previous 29 takes. Mm-hmm. so he decided that you do it once and you do it once only and it gives it a kind of it, it gives it gives the band extra energy because they're like we have to get it now and they focus a lot more closely on what they're doing so they will absolutely nail it and uh, occasionally it also gives some of the tunes a sort of um, it gives them like a sort of like a, a startled effect to the sound itself where you can t- feel the bands are there going like we've got to get this and it gives it that extra sort of jolt um particularly with um when they recorded the dial with squid um dan carey suggested that they should go about 10 bpm faster <laughs> apparently the looks <laughs> on their faces were something else <laughs> so they all had to just sort of speed it up a little bit which, which you know transformed all I, of these songs i i can't imagine hearing the dial slower i think it might have been or was it house plants anyway whichever song that they were producing dan carey said can you just go about about 10 BPM faster. And apparently the looks on their faces were just going, oh God. What? How? What? No. What? So if it was Speedy Wonderground, it would have been the dial. Yeah. It was definitely Dan uh, Carey. I know Dan Carey's produced a lot of their stuff. Houseplants was done on practice music. Um, it is more upbeat though. I could I could see I could see Houseplants being like, okay, just go faster. That That feels more in line with with that it was certainly dan carey that produced it i know that much all of town center was produced in speedy wonderground so it could have been one of those yeah well that's the great story is that squid with a band that convinced a singles label to produce an ep mm-hmm. um oh, and rightly so quite rightly so and then teen and now tina is teeny's recorded their debut album which is coming out in i think september i think it's called mental health music or something so this is actually a really good transition point into the the second thing um i wanted to talk about today which is what upcoming music are we looking forward to what albums eps things on the horizon things that we hope will be on the horizon um what in 2020 is there to look forward to now that fontaines have dropped this album that sounds really nihilistic. 
right, that's it. Music's closed for the rest of the year, kids. Fontaine's done it. Yeah. <laughs> We're done here. It, it, exactly. They, and they've, they've, you know, with this, this kind of um, overhauled sound of theirs, they've just really hammered in the nihilism for me. Let's, let's go. Come on. Well, I mean, if we, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if we're talking about Fontaine's, we have to talk idols. And uh, as we've also discussed, Idol's new album, Toneland, I mean, Ultra Mono, is uh, coming out later this year. Is it in October? Can you remember? I, I think it's in October. I'm just laughing because I realize I haven't written down his Toneland in my notes still. <laughs> you muppet. These notes that I wrote, like, not that long ago. <laughs> Honestly, about maybe an hour ago. Oh, no, these, these were the older notes. Uh, but okay. still. Anyway, uh, uh, Idol's. Ultramono is coming out in October and they've released a few singles so far. They've released um, a hymn, uh, Mr. Motivator and uh, Grounds. I think, honestly, Grounds is, is one of my favourite, one of my favourite tracks they've actually just done full stop. It, it opens with that huge punchy um, synth loop that then carries the whole way through the track and it's, it's, it is a protest song. Yeah. No, it's it, the grounds is great. I I still I'm more a fan of Mister Motivator to some extent. I mean, it's it's classic like, sort of cheesy idols. Oh, totally. And I, I I miss that some of that cheese sometimes. Um, it's really reminiscent for me of of Heel Heel from like the first track off of Brutalism. Yeah. Um, with just that that guitar intro, just heavy, very forward. You know, no holds barred. It's just, it's just, it's an idol's track. It grabs you by the scruff of the neck and takes you with it. Yep. It, it's, I'm looking forward to this album. I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to this album. Yeah, we But can't. also Grounds is great. That synth is phenomenal. I think, does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I just, I looked at the track listing the other day. Um, Grounds backs onto uh, Mr. Motivator, which is actually a, Having done that, having now listened to that transition, listening to their releases on, you know, on Spotify and whatever, they when you that that transition from grounds into Mr. Motivator, it's like mm-hmm. it's got you you get such a sort of throbbing um, power from the synth and everything that's going on in grounds with the with you know with shouting about um, about unity and and the sound of people, and then it goes mm-hmm. from that into the huge guitar riff that is. Mr. Motivator, and it works perfectly. I, it's a really like the the a hymn. I guess it's technically an EP. Um, it's great. It's would absolutely advocate checking it out. We should put we'll put some of the songs in the in the playlist. We'll put all um, three, and it's it's not a big to, it's not a big toll. Ooh, I think on your on your no. time, dear listener. Well, technically. The EP includes a hymn edit, <laughs> so it's four. But we'll we'll remove the edit. It's I. Uh, firstly, I, I'm actually not convinced that it's a synth in grounds. I think that might be guitar. Um, not that it really matters. It's a great sound, but just being pedantic about it. Thank you, Mister Pedant. Uh, mm. Other releases. I'm really excited for Willie J Healy's. Um, Everyone's been referring to his debut album, but there's already an album of his on Spotify. So I don't know if it's his second album or proper debut album. Um, but it's called uh, Twin Heavy. Um, it's not very post-punk. It's a lot more sort of re- 
reminiscent of um, a lot of sixties and seventies rock. Um, but it it's all the singles he's released are fantastic. They're really cheery. They're really upbeat. They're very summery actually. Um, I'd highly recommend checking him out as well. I think his new album's now next week. Talking yeah. non-post-punk music in a post-punk podcast. How dare you? Um, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Because no music is outside of our range. I mean, to be fair, we did an entire episode on, on like, Eastern European cold wave, much of which, I mean, it's kind of falls within post-punk in a lot of ways, but a lot of which is kind of outside. Especially when Lisa got going, it was, a lot of it was falling outside of post-punk. Thanks for joining us, though, Lisa. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was, a, it was a fun episode. Yeah. Um, also falling outside of punk, post-punk even, uh, I think Orville Peck has used to release another album this year called, well, I've, I've, I was trying to find what the name was after the whole Toneland debacle, and from what I could find is that he teased something called Show Pony, which was supposed to have come out by now, but might have been delayed for obvious reasons. Uh, Orville Peck is a country artist. I know. Hot take. Um, on, on my... What country music in my post-punk podcast? Uh, but I would highly recommend listening to uh, his original album, which was actually called Pony, from memory. Uh, but it is a phenomenal album. It is. It's really very good. Uh, it's also interesting because he Orville Peck is is a he's a mask cowboy. He doesn't actually. He's never revealed his uh, his face under the under the moniker of um, Orville Peck. Uh, but he's also a gamer, um, which is a stereotype not oft addressed, or uh, just a uh, uh, minority, as it were, not oft addressed in, in country music. A famously traditionalist and conservative medium. I thought you said gamer, and I was env- envisioning him like on a Twitch stream wearing like a bandana. Um, and and that, that is a totally different mental image there. I mean, he does... But thank you nonetheless for the mental image of Orville Peck in his bandana as a twitch streamer i i will forever remember it he has he went on um he went on the bon appetit he was he was on one of uh bradioni's videos and it's alive he was wearing the mask as they were cooking it's like oh god and he had to he he had to braid the mask to get out of the way so that he could eat (laughs) (laughs) for those of you that might uh, for listeners that might not have uh seen orville peck he's so he's got a sort of um a face mask like a superhero uh, with cutouts of the eyes, but then he's got lots of very fine strands of um, of fabric coming down from that to cover over his mouth up to about his chin, um, which works well for when he's you know up on the stage singing his fantastic music. But uh, clearly, doesn't quite work as well when he's trying to eat corn on the cob. <laughs> yeah. Other music, squid. Squid. squid squid is coming out with an album they're recording it's squid it i mean there's we don't have to say anything else it's it's squid it's squid it's, they're two singles we'll that the they album released. 2020 if it isn't they failed us <laughs> okay we're gonna we're gonna put that out there are we <laughs> i don't know they've got a lot of competition i mean fontaine's released an album idols has released an album and not to mention you've got some we'll, we'll get into this in the the coming episodes but there's a there's a lot of really good music that's come out recently 2020 Um, despite being a rubbish year for anything other than spending more time in your place of abode 
It's been a great year for music. It's been phenomenal for music. And, and that's that's just within the post-punk, like, you know, within the subgenre of post-punk. There's, there's so much outside of post-punk as well. We'll be talking a little bit about that in incoming episodes, like honorable mentions that kind of fall outside of the the normal range of what we talk about. There, There's so much good music. It, it has been a year and a half for music. It feels like um, it's been about three years for everything else. Yeah, that, and that's fair. <laughs> hey, the, 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 the one, the one, you know, the one good thing about 2020. Um, shame. Yeah. Shame are working on something. That's, I mean, it's, I, I don't want to just say it's it's shame, but it's shame. Well, we just said that about well, squids. So I don't see why we can't say that about shame. I know. Exactly. It. I mean, Songs of Praise is still up there as one of my top played albums in the past couple of years. Um, it's a phenomenal album. It is solid from start to finish. And if they can pull off anything even close to what they did for their first album, it, I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. They've been talking about... They've done a few interviews. Um, they did one with So Young, certainly, saying that they've been working on this album. Um, so I'm hoping it's coming out soon. Uh, but also, good things have come out of 2020. Cabbage and Shame. Finally did it. <laughs> speaking, speaking of cabbage, <laughs> um, they did release You've Made an Art, you've made an art Form. Uh, there's a longer title. It's like You've Made an Art Form out of... Uh, it, is, it is, yeah. You've Made an Art Form and then brackets from Falling to Pieces. Great song. Uh, Quite apt. Oh, yeah, hopefully there is more to come. It's the first track they've put out in a while. Um, since 2019, they released the single Torture. Um, and But they haven't released... I mean, they had um, Nihilist Clamber Shots came out in 2018. And they took basically another year to release Torture. And they took close to another year to release You've Made an Art Form from Falling to Pieces. Please put out an album, Cabbage, or even an EP. Like, we're counting on you. We've we've named half the podcast after you. Like you, you do something. Come on, please. <laughs> I mean, we named a third of the podcast. Don't forget the most important member of the name of our podcast. And, and yeah, it really brings cabbage and shame together. Oh, God. oh, I'm too proud of that joke. Okay. So that's that's some of the things we're excited for. Hopefully, that will actually come uh, out this year. There, there, there is, there is more on my list. Oh, uh, I see. I see. Do you want to? Do you want to rattle yeah. them out? Heavy lungs, heavy lungs, heavy lungs, heavy lungs. Um, still have yet to release an album. Um, this is this is this is more on the things I hope happen and not on things that will happen. Uh, Measure their EP, five songs long, really good. All actually all original music kind of a bit of a birthday came out as a single slightly before it but it's a great ep they have a lot of music they've got two ep three eps um and a number of singles on top of it please release an album like danny Delcove, if if you listen to this please put out an album you guys are great you can do it i believe in you you can do it 
Um, I, I don't know what their list, what they're waiting for. I mean, a bit of a birthday was their second most popular song released after Blood Brother. It did kind of balloon, um, and I, I do hope they are working on something. But it's just by the research I've done, I don't think they currently are, or if they are, they haven't told anyone in media about it. But fingers crossed, they'll put out something in 2020, even if this is another EP. Um, really hoping there. And, and the the last on my list, in terms of things that I really want to happen, is uh, Multatama. They've gone viral, right? Use it. Just just use it. You you have this new audience. It's big. Jump on this moment. Um, not even necessarily for a new album. I mean, they already have two albums out, both of which are excellent. Um, Itaji, their second album, being still, I think, mine and, and most people's favorite, unless you're some sort of like uber hipster that's like, oh, no, the first one's the best. Um, Itaji is, is a phenomenal album. You've got a great sound going. Keep pushing. You can't tour. Write some stuff. We'll all appreciate it. And, and that is it for my excited for list for now. Well, not that we're here to make demands or anything. We're a hundred percent. We're a hundred percent here to make demands. You've got twenty twenty is a great year for music. Let's make it better. It's a shit year for everything else. So we need the music to just blow everything else out of the water, and we can do it using our our. Um, power as music podcasters. Yeah, we're 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 now influencers. Welcome to 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, great. So that was us talking about Fontaines, and also some other things we're excited for. And apparently, basically, like all of Ireland and and, and Irish uh, arts and arts and culture, I guess. Um. Tune in next time when we talk about music that's been released so far this year that we've really enjoyed. Absolutely, we're we're next as the 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 next episode will be a rundown of some of the bigger albums that we're really enjoying, and depending on time, we might split it off into a separate al- episode, or we might try and do all in one. But doing some of the bigger albums we really enjoyed, and then also some of the smaller albums and EPs. That we've really enjoyed stuff from from smaller bands that you guys might not have heard of um that we'd really suggest checking out um i i don't think it's a lie to say that at least our collective favorite album maybe not individual favorites but our collective favorite album is from a small band um <coughs> the cool greenhouse <coughs> the cool greenhouse <laughs> um and uh yeah they are phenomenal, and we will be talking about them in the either the episode to come or the one after. But until then, thank you very much for tuning in, and see you next time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we need to sign off on who we are anymore. We've been through this. Hopefully you've been listening for a wee while. So... It, 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 and if not, then we will sign off next episode, and you have something to look forward to. Well, ain't that a closer. Okay. <laughs> right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>